0: Welcome again to the Real Life Theology Podcast. This is Chris. Thanks for joining us on this awesome Thursday. We're excited to have another breakout session for you today. This one is centered around discipling women and helping train up women to become effective disciple makers. Michelle Eagle shares on her experiences and she shares a lot of really good input on the little things and the big things that help make disciples in her own everyday life. Let's go ahead and check this out together also the women's discipleship minister at Harpeth Christian Church, which is where discipleship.org was actually founded out of. Um, so it's really exciting to actually see all this come together and the um, years that we've had the conference going and just to see people wanting to really lean into biblical truths um, and what that looks like. And I have a heart for disciple making. It is not for stage management. It is for disciple making. Um, that's what I like to wake up thinking about. And so, um, so I'm glad you guys are here and have the same heart. Um, I will not be spending much time in um, a Bible series today um, because that's not our gig today. Um, I will reference a few scriptures and we'll talk about them, but uh, mostly this is the practical side of how do you do disciple making, Um, and I have truly... um, had a passion for this for probably a dozen years or so, and after being discipled. Um, and I hadn't been before, and I didn't realize that I hadn't been, and I didn't realize what a difference it would make. And so um, I've just seen women's lives changed, Um, and seeing them be different moms, different sisters, different daughters, different wives um, because of biblical truths that they can now apply because somebody's discipled them and what that looks like. So what I did um, for this talk, when they asked me to speak, I thought, okay, well, what can I do? Um, What's maybe a little different? Because I think a lot of times when we we hear about disciple-making, we hear these are the best practices, this is the best formula, this is the best curriculum, this is the best this, this is the best that... And it's always from the person that is discipling, right? So I thought, well, maybe I should ask the people like I've discipled <laughs> and ask them what worked, right? Because if it didn't work, I don't want to tell you about it. Um, I probably did it. I know I did it. Um, but if it didn't work, why share it, right? So, um, so I asked probably five, ten women, um, and I let them email it back to me so they didn't have to look at me in the eyes and tell me, um, because some of them had some things that didn't help. Um, but... But um, I asked them what worked. And so there was lots of overlapping, which is great. Um, But the crazy part about it is nobody said the curriculum. Nobody said, oh, you picked the perfect book for our group. Um, They just didn't say that. So I want to go through what they did say because I really think that's important. Um, My contact is up here. Shoot me a text. Let's have lunch if you're in the area. If you're not, um, let's do Zoom. I love it now that at least out of COVID, we all know how to use Zoom. Um, and I can, I can even do a tutorial on it with the right of your corner. You'll see three dots. And then, you know, because we had to do it so often, right, to everybody and teach them how to use it. Um, but yeah, shoot me an email, whatever you want um, to do. I'd love to chat because this is my favorite topic. So, um, or if you want to know more about stage management, I'm happy to do that too. Uh, let's make sure I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. All right. So why make disciples? All right, we all know the Matthew 28 verse, go and make disciples, right? And we're all like, that's why we make disciples. Well, it is, obviously. But um, I think that, that you are all on board with making disciples, right? Um, but what I think sometimes we miss is the idea of actually maturing those disciples, right? We, we may do a great job in bringing people into the church or, or having lots of baptisms, um, even though we'd all like to see more of those, but we we need to mature them, right? I will argue that if if we were able to to really produce mature disciples uh, of Jesus, um, if he were to, if we were to actually come along Jesus, come alongside of Jesus to to help him make these disciples and mature them, our marriage issues would be close to resolved. Our children would be in really stable homes, and we'd be, we'd be knocking out some really strong Christian kids out of these homes. We would also never have to worry about volunteers. Our campus would look great. Um, all these things if everybody was mature, right? Obviously, that's a lofty goal, but I think that maybe sometimes our vision is off in what we're looking to do, um, and I think creating mature disciples is it, um, and so let's look at Ephesians uh, 4, 12 through 14, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Doesn't that sound awesome? Well, it's possible. But what's the way that Jesus told us to do it? Making disciples, right? Disciple making, maturing people in their in their walk, um, and and I think that that the world would look really different if we were if the church was actually to do that. Um, and we, as women um, and men in the room, thank you guys for being here. It's disciple-making, right? I mean, this isn't just a women's game. But at the same time, you know, that's my experience and, and my husband's too. He, he does this. This is what he does too, and we do it the same way. Um, but we would have some really solid families. <laughs> we would have some really selfless people that were willing to die to self if they actually were able to be walk beside somebody to become mature. So what did work? So there were about 10 things that kind of rose to the surface. I'm going to kind of fly through them because I want you guys to eat. Um, I don't want anybody falling asleep or hyperglycemic or falling off on me. Um, so the conference tomorrow and Thursday, I don't know if everybody's going to that, but basically intentionality is the, is the whole theme, right? Um, I'm just trying to give you a little preview of that. But intentionality is, is it, right? If we don't intentionally go after making mature disciples, we are not going to make mature disciples. That's what a vision is. Um, and so if we don't do that, we're not going to get it. Um, so again, these are the women that I've discipled over the past five years or so. What worked? What didn't? Um, it's not it, it's, its not a magic formula, but at the same time, I've seen some miraculous growth. I've seen women that honestly I didn't really want to have coffee with um, <laughs> because they were just whining about this and whining about that or... Or the children's ministry would be like, you know, because they were complaining about the song that was played or, or we didn't have the right goldfish, you know, or whatever. And now they're volunteering in student ministry and they're going on retreats with teenagers. What? You know, because they've become mature disciples of Christ and they realize that, oh, wait, it's not all about them. Um, and exactly what maybe their child wants at that one moment. Um, they realize that there's a bigger picture here, um, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, many of you are doing all of these things. So again, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. This is what Jesus did. Um, but I didn't find passages to go with every one of them, um, partially because I ran out of time and partially because I know you guys know the passages. Um, and so, so let's just jump in, okay? Holy Spirit-driven. So the, the points down here are just things that ladies said, and I want to let you know I don't get it right, all right? These are wonderful women that said wonderful things about the way that I discipled them, okay? I made so many stakes along the way um, that this is just really sweet to have creamers to the top, all right? Um, if I brought these 10 women up here, they would go, yeah, Michelle messed up here, and she messed up here, and she messed up here, and then she had to apologize for this, and so please know this is the good stuff, all right? All um, right allowed God to be in control. It wasn't my group. It wasn't even me and this person. There are, to- there are lots and lots of times where God has put somebody in my path that I didn't want to disciple. And I would fight, usually for a month or two, and go, no, 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 God, I'm pretty sure you don't want me to actually feed into this person's life. Um, and he would just be insistent and insistent. And then they'd walk up to me go, you know, I was just wondering if there's a woman that could disciple me. Yeah, I was wondering that too. <laughs> yeah. I was too, yeah. Um, and so, so God has to be in control of who the people are, what the group looks, if you're doing it within a group, what the group looks like. But we have to ask the question, right? We have to ask God, who do you want me to disciple? Who do you want me to feed into? And it may be the noisiest person there is. It may be the one that is sitting in the back corner that you didn't even realize was part of the church. You just don't know, right? Until you actually ask the question. And so don't be afraid to ask a question, and don't be afraid to to reach out to somebody that you're just like, I don't know why he would put this person in my path, but um, he does, you know. And there are times too that um, I'm looking at Jean right here because because you may have people that come across your path that they are amazing Bible teachers. Jean is a beautiful example. She's an amazing Bible teacher, but hadn't discipled people before. Well, guess what? That section of what she needed was just me to disciple her on how to disciple somebody. She had all the Bible knowledge in the world. She was living a beautiful, godly life, but just needed that section. And that's great. So feed into there, ship her out, send her off to make disciples, right? Um, Teaching people how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to, to tell the difference between the enemy's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice... Um, they are believing lies that you would have no idea they're believing and it's not okay. All right. So we've got to teach them that though. One of the women, um, that I've discipled, she's like, I never had even thought about listening to Holy Spirit until we're together. And you say, what's the Holy Spirit say about this? And you make a stop and be quiet and actually try to discern the Holy Spirit or, Hey, go home and pray about that. And then let us talk about it and giving that space for the Holy Spirit to actually lead and let them know that that's what you're doing. Because I think sometimes we think we have to have the answer, but almost every woman, one of the first things they said was Holy Spirit driven. You weren't trying to answer everything. You weren't trying to get everything right. You weren't trying to make sure you knew what was going on 24-7. You just said, hey, the Holy Spirit put, put you on my heart today. What's going on? And, and if we change direction, we do that sometimes. I'll be halfway through a book, and I'll be like, I'm not feeling this book. Holy Spirit, like, pray about it. And you know what? We may need to close that book. We may need to do something else. If the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, stop the book. Do something else. Be willing to change your plan because the Holy Spirit changes, because the Holy Spirit tells you to, and tell them that's why. I think one of the things in, in, that we forget to do as disciple makers is to give the why piece. To give that this is why I did this. This is why I disciplined my kids this way, is because yesterday it was this way, but then the Holy Spirit said, you know what, today time out needs to work. Or today is, nope, give them all grace. And they need to hear that you're actually moving and flowing with the Holy Spirit. Um, I had a tea group that we call them transformation groups, um, which is where a small group of of same gender uh, four to six people kind of get together. And the whole point is spiritual formation. The whole point is disciple making. And people come into the group for that purpose. Um, and if you email me, I can share all the stuff we have on that. But I was praying about another group to start. And I did not, I, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. And he's telling me names, right? And I'm I'm scanning rooms. I'm looking for names, okay? So so I approached two different women. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'd love to have you in a group with me, um, so she's like, oh, yeah, I'd love it. So both of them say yes, right? And I've got several other people, right? Well, then they say, oh, who else is in the group? Well, I tell them. And they're like, oh, hmm. I don't really get along with that person. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, okay. Then the other person calls me. Hey, you know, Michelle, um, you said who was in the group and... I don't really get a good vibe with that person. Like, she and I just, I don't think we click. I'm like, okay. Uh Uh-huh. So what what would you like me to do about that? And she's like, well, I don't think I should probably be in the same group with her. I'm like, right. So um, you're going to just have to trust me that I will lead the group and keep you safe. Um, But at the same time, I'm pretty sure you're going to come across a few more people that you don't think alike. Um, and that you don't get along with. So we're going to go ahead and keep the group the same way. I'm going to challenge you, though, to come in and try to see her as Jesus does. And so what happens, though, in the group, and they do, they do, they do not see things through the same lens of the world. Okay. They don't. Um, but what happens in a, in a, in a situation like that, and as the leader of the group, you know that. And so you can actually draw out things from both of them that actually allow them to love each other. And then they can't help but try to have to figure out how to work it out. Um, And I just had to have a conversation with one of them two weeks ago. And then the other one the next week that was like, she just drives me crazy. I'm like, I know, right? And then the other one, she drives me crazy. I'm like, I know, right? What are you going to do about it? And they're like, but I love her. I know. (laughs) Guess what? Come back next week and let's keep talking. You know, but but that's the kind of stuff. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of that. Um, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Availability. You spent time with me. I never felt like a project because you wanted to get to know me. Stop trying to fix people. That's not your job. That's God's job. Um, that's the Holy Spirit's job. And we so much want the quick Answer, right? I know your problem. I know your solution. Now let's get her done, right? Because I got other places I need to be. That's not how it works, right? And we may not say that out loud, but that's what we're thinking, right? You're like, oh my gosh, you just had the same argument with your husband again. Okay, you're being prideful. He's being snippy. Why do we have to do this every single week? You know? But, that's where we bring the Holy Spirit into it. That's where you start giving them tools on how to deal with it, not giving them answers. Uh, but you have to be available to do it. That's where elasticity in our lives, and I know it feels like we are in such a fast-paced, busy world. There's no elasticity. We have to make it. Texting, as much as people may say they hate texting, it's a beautiful thing when it comes to being able to, to be, have touch points in people's lives um, that they know they're loved, they're cared for, you've thought about them, you've reached out. It also gives the processors a minute to process and you haven't put them on the spot, okay, because they can think about it and then they can respond. Um, but also availability for coffee, availability for just, I mean, I've gone to kids' practices because that's where they were available. They're like, well, I'm going to be sitting for the next hour at soccer practice. Oh, I'm like, well, come by, sure, you know, um, go by. Um, insert yourself in odd places like that, um, because it doesn't have to fit this perfect formula. Um, I don't know how many people here work for, work for the church. Like that's your job job. Yeah. A few people. Okay. Um, be flexible in your hours and the things that you do. I know that it's not like we, we don't have to be available 24 seven. I'm not saying that we do. My phone goes on silent at about eight o'clock and if I'm all up and around, I'll answer a text later, but they know that they can text me at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm probably I'm not going to see it. Um, and that's OK. I, I tell them, I text me. It's great. I'm, I'll see it in the morning when I get up. Um, you know, but be available to them. Um, you know, I put reminders in my phone for important things that are coming up. That is not off the table. All right. If you know they're having some major event at work next Thursday, put it in your calendar. And all you do is reach out to them that, oh, praying for your Thursday event. It's not magic that you knew that it was Thursday that you remembered. They will think it is probably. You know what I mean? You don't have to tell them that you put it in your calendar, but do it, you know, because it just makes your life easier. It means you're not having to think so hard to remember the people that whose lives you were in. Know that you also, one of the things that I'll say just when I, I because of, of talking about uh, trying to remember people, you will disappoint people. Let them know that. Let them know that I will let you down. I am so sorry. That will never be my heart, but I will do it. It will be, it's just part of being human. And I pray that you will have grace for me. And I pray that you will tell me when I do it so I can apologize. Um, But if you cut me off, I can't do that. And we as women, and even even are just culturally, as soon as you say something I don't agree with, I'm out. One thing though, is they have to see me every Sunday. So they have to make eye contact, and they have to see me, and, then, and, and sometimes I can tell when they're avoiding me, um, and then I go, okay, what, what did I do? Is usually what I start with. What did I do? Um, you know, the, one of the things that, that's to make life easier for myself when it comes to availability um, and, is to say, my two jobs today are to love God and love others. I have a long to-do list of things I need to get done, But if I haven't loved God and loved others, God doesn't care if I folded the laundry. He doesn't care if I emptied the dishwasher. If I didn't love God and love others in that day, then I probably didn't do my to-do list. Um, And so I've had to ask God into my to-do list um, and make that look different and give myself grace. If I have people in my house, like lately, pretty much every day, (laughs) random people from church are in my house. And... I had to become okay with, I didn't get to the dishes. I didn't get to vacuum the floor. And my husband brings in like five guys to the house. I'm like, well, hello. All right. Welcome. Glad you're here. You know, and I had to be okay with that. And, that's what, that, and that sounds like this, this thing that we shouldn't be that shallow. But how many of us, if somebody were to come up to your door you would step out instead of having them come in if there was laundry that was unfolded on the couch or dishes in the sink, right? So I had to make that mental click of going, not going to worry about it, not going to worry about it. Um, obviously, if I know they're coming, I do try to vacuum. Um, but, uh, but, but we have to be okay with that. And that's part of being available, right? Um, that's part of that availability. Um, and for me, I had to start keeping my activities with open hands, so if in my mind I have a Walmart run that's going to happen this afternoon and I've planned out my whole itinerary of of uh, of errands in the right order so it's the most efficient and I'm going to get it all done so that I am ready for the weekend so that way I can get the You know, there's a whole process. We all have them. You know, it's all domino, right? I have to hold that in open hands because guess what? I may not get there. Um, somebody, I I've been stuck in a parking lot before, like, I can see the grocery store in front of me, you know? And I'm like, no, but I, uh-huh, 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 you know? But it's also okay to say, I'm so sorry that you are going through this. I will call you back as soon as I can, but I need to go. And that's okay, too, all right? But we do have to make sure we have some elasticity and we are not so rigid with our schedules and we're not, so, not handing things with such tight hands, right? Um. Safety. That sounds like, you know, we're doing a gun class here. That's not it. Um, It was more that they felt safe to take risks, okay? They were challenged to do things that were uncomfortable. Um, Reward them when they take risks, even if they fall, okay? The things that I think about are, um, you know, uh, a toddler carrying a tall glass of milk, they're going to spill it, right? Well, What do you do when the milk gets spilled? You you just wipe it up. It's not like, you know, they've done probably a lot of damage with that little glass of milk, all right? But how are they going to know to be careful with that glass of milk if we don't ever give them a glass of milk without a top on it, right? My kids did have sippy tops, but still, you know what I'm saying. Um, But reward them. Um, When somebody's transparent in your group, um, reward them before and after, reward them at the moment, but then tell them later, you know what, I was just thinking about what you said. And I am so proud of you for saying that because you know what, I think it had a really strong effect on and say the other person, be very specific in, in those things. You know, I had one woman that we were, our group was meeting and it was a special occasion. And literally the week before, all of a sudden it comes into my mind, you know, we should do communion. We should, like the day before our group is going to meet. I'm like, we should do communion. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna comment. I pray about it. Who should who should do communion? Holy Spirit, huh, Megan should do communion. All right, fantastic. Let me text Megan. Hey, Megan, will you do communion tomorrow? She's like, wait, what? You want me to do what? I'm like, yeah, I think you're gonna be awesome. She's like, okay. And so she comes and she's like, yeah, like literally I watched the sermon from last week and I played it to the communion part and then I wrote down all the things that, that you know, the preacher said so I could remember what to say. She's like, you know, and she, she brought the little club. She, she did everything, you know, but what she said was that she was completely uncomfortable, but she knew she was in a safe space. She knew she was safe to try it. And if she failed, I'm staying, I'm sitting there. It's not like I sent her out to the homeless community and said, go do communion for the first time in front of, you know, 500 of, of the homeless downtown Nashville. No, it's of her friends. It's of her people that love her. Um, and so she did a great job. She did a great job. Um, but remind them that it's a safe space um, and that what stays here, what's said here stays here. Um, it's not going to be talked about. Lead but don't drag. Maya, when she saw this slide, she was like, praise God. Okay. <laughs> You know what? Sometimes you got to dust your shoes off, your sandals off. But, um, but the point of this is go first. They know that I'm not going to ask them to go someplace that I'm not willing to go and to go repeatedly. You know, if, if I'm going to ask a question to the group that's a, that's a deep question, I'm going to answer it first. Um, if, it's, if it's doing our autobiographies, I'm going first. If it's talking about hard spots in our marriages, I'm going to go first. Um, so lead, lead them. Ask hard questions that are leading questions, not yes or no questions. Um, ask them and expect an answer. You know, if just like that, that issue with the two women that said they didn't like the people in the group, they had to be led to go, sorry, that's a, this is what the group is going to be. Um, when it comes to times and dates... Most of the time, I'm like, this is when the group meets, and this is the time. I really am prayerful that you can make it. If you can't, then we'll find another group for you down the line. But I'm not going to just switch everything around to meet the schedule of one person or, or change things every single time because one person, person has an issue. I have to think of the group, but also I need to lead them. They need to see what it means to say, no, this is where we're going, and this is how we're going to get there. And that doesn't mean we don't have conversations about it. Of course we do. But it's not all a democracy, um, especially in a group, and especially when it comes to discipling somebody. You have to make the decisions a lot of the times. Um, and then one of the things that I think is important is for them to actually fight you on decisions. Like for them to actually go, well, oh, why do we have communion this week and not next week? Well, that's a great question. The answer is, it's because I thought about it this week. But tell me why next week would be better. And then let them tell you. Okay that actually does sound better. Let's do it next week. You know, that's okay. That's part of leading them is getting them to have an exchange that is healthy and that is fine to actually not agree on everything and it still be a conversation instead of a true confrontation. You know, we're fearful of any type of confrontation, right? Because it's all bad. All confrontation is bad. Well, maybe some of our confrontations don't actually need to be that. Maybe they just need to be conversations. And if we will actually Teach people by leading them through conversations that are hard or having conversations between the two people and you're the one going, okay, so and so you talk okay so and actually teaching them actually leading them through what a healthy conversation looks like. Don't be fearful of that go in both feet, go in some questions to make sure that you are actually bringing them into maturity instead of leaving them where you they are is you know are you willing when they're com- if they're coming into a group or even I'm meeting with them? I'm asking them, are you willing to be transparent with us? Are you willing to tell me actually what's going on? Because we're not messing around here. Like, I don't, and I'll tell, like, I don't have time for, you know, six different conversations before you tell me, like, what the actual issue is that's going on. Um, I would love to be able to develop that relationship with you, but that's probably not going to be with me. It may be with somebody else, and that's great. Um, but if, if you want to want to be here, I need you all in. Um, and we ask for people to be all-in when it comes to disciple-making. And there are some people that aren't ready for that, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, but if they are, then we're going to raise the bar. We're going to raise the bar higher because what we're trying to do is, is, is make um, disciples. Um, and I've asked people, are you okay being uncomfortable? I may ask you a question that you're uncomfortable with, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, and if you're leading a group, you need to be okay with uncomfortable silences. You need to be okay with losing friends sometimes. Um, I've had somebody yell at me on the phone and tell me all sorts of things that I was doing wrong. And I said, well, as soon as, as soon as she started raising her voice and I know she was going somewhere, I was like, yeah, so you can't speak to me like that. Um, so call me back when you can speak in a way that, that is appropriate. Um, and she calls back a few minutes later and then she goes there again. I was like, all right, well, try again. Um, and then she calls back for the third time and she's like, okay, I'm under control. We can have a conversation. I'm like, great, okay, fantastic. Um, But don't, don't, but lead her in that way because you know what? Whoever's talking to her that way, she shouldn't also take that either. She shouldn't accept that as being okay. And she hasn't probably ever heard somebody say, no, you don't get to speak to me this way. Um, And so she needs to be led in that way. Um, Let's see here. All right, encourage. So I think your biggest, your biggest tool you have is encouragement. The more you can put in their bank, when you have to remove from their bank because you have to tell them a hard truth, you've got lots of currency to deal with, okay? So encourage, encourage, encourage. When somebody says something in group that is good, look them in the eyes and go, thank you for sharing. Wow, that was awesome. What a great insight the Holy Spirit gave you. Um, if, you see them, if you see them mothering their children well, tell them. Tell them that they are. Say, wow, I saw that interaction between you and your husband and how honoring you were when I'm sure your sinful nature wanted to just go, what are you talking about? Right? But encourage them. Because the more encouragement seriously that you can do, when you have to say something hard, they can hear it. But if you haven't said anything, or if you've just said hard after hard, hard stuff, they're just like, all she's doing is beating me down. And I've done it before. I've made that mistake before where I was just truth, 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 truth. And they're like, can I ever do anything right? I'm like, well, I'm sure you could, but you're not telling me about it. You know, but obviously I didn't say that. But, that's, but that is something. So when, when you have encouraged them, they're going to tell you more, you know. So your interactions with them, even things that seem really little, might be a really big deal to them, um, especially when it comes to kids and spouses. If you say something about a good interaction, um, I've told husbands things that are like, your wife is a rock star. She was awesome. I just saw the way she, the way she prayed with so-and-so pff, through the roof. And they're like, wow, really? Yeah. You know, because they need those things filled up. The world and social media and everything else is knocking, knocking them down, knocking us down all the time. Um, and so just keep encouraging, um, especially when they're struggling. And give them some softballs to win right? I mean, I'll give them some little tasks that are actually, you know, really not hard. Um, Something as simple as, hey, pray about who you should send a text to. They pray about it, a name comes up. I'm like, okay, send it. And so they'll even send it to me to like proof it to make sure it's like, okay, before they send it. I'm like, that's all right. That's all right. Baby steps. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Send it. And then when they do, congratulate them on doing that, even though you're like, wow, that took like 10 minutes of my life (laughs) to encourage them to send a 10-second text. But that's where they are. So meet them where they are and encourage them because that's what's going to get them to the next step, right? Um, You know, tell them the places that you see Jesus in them because this is what you're trying to disciple them to, right? And so if they don't actually recognize it, then they don't know when they're getting there. Um, and they may not have ever seen it in anybody else. And so, and tell them that's what you're seeing. You know what? When you were praying with that other woman in the corner of the church, Jesus was all over you and loving her well. You loved her beautifully because I know the situation that's going on there and, and she, she needed you to do that. And so what a beautiful picture of Jesus you are in that. Um, show, tell them what, how you see Jesus in them um, and they will not forget that. Um, they just won't. accountability, the icky word of accountability. Yeah. Um, one person said unwillingness to let me stay where I am speaking truth, even when it was tough to hear. Um, that's not always fun. I've had, I, I was the person that said the last, the second one there, we were together and she was going on about her husband. He did this and he did this and he did this. I'm like, yeah, wow. What's your part? What was your part? And she's like, well, oh. I'm like, I, you know, what, I'm not in a relationship with him. But I'm in a relationship with you. And so what part of the, your side of the street needs to be cleaned up? And she's like, well, I did roll my eyes. And I did, you know, say something kind of snarky. I'm like, all right, right, we'll go apologize about that. No, but he, I don't, I'm not worried about what he said. You know, but you have to be able to speak that truth. Um, and she did not want to hear that. I'm like, and then tell me when you do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no. No, no, no. You need to text me when you've done it. You need to text me when you've done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, because they either won't do it or, you know. So, yeah. That's the other beauty of text, right? Is they can do it right then. Yeah. You know, if they've committed to a, a reading plan, then hey, text me what you heard, what you what you learned today about that. Um have accountability built in. I also, if I'm doing in a group setting, I have them accountable to each other and I get out of the way. I'm like, all right, you two pair up. You guys are accountable to each other for our reading next week. Please text each other every day. Tell them that you're praying about it and tell them what you learned and then pair them up and then just step back and let them be accountable to each other. Um, If they have asked for discipleship, and we're taking off the table, the ones that haven't asked for it, but you know need it. But they've asked for it. Um, they've come into, especially in a group setting, then it's legit to be able to hold them accountable or have some accountability in there. And when I have somebody coming, coming into a group or I'm going to disciple them one-on-one, I tell them there's going to be accountability here. <laughs> because if there's not, all you're doing is just spinning your wheels a lot. Um, and, and if they don't want that, um, that's okay. Okay. Um, That's where you don't drag them. Um, But I also won't make a whole lot of coffee dates anymore. Um, And I also will be like, okay, well, let me know when you're ready. And I'll see you on Sunday and I think, love you. You know, I mean, it's not, and there's no hard feelings and there really isn't. Um, It's just, they're just not ready yet. And that's okay. Um, Your job is just to make sure um, that they have the accountability. It doesn't mean that it has to be you every time. Um, So just be sure that you're thinking outside the box when it comes to accountability. And don't ever have their spouses be their accountability, ever. Um, Opportunities. This is, um, the places that we're discipling them, they should be almost like playgrounds. Okay, so if a playground is next to a highway, we put a fence around it, right? And we're trying, we want the kids to play, but we don't want them to play in the highway. All right? So opportunities, give them safe places to play. Um, let the person in the group that is the least mature choose the service project that you're going to do. Let the person, if they're they're the least mature, give them things that they can try to do. Um, and that's a good thing. If they fail, okay. Pretty sure Peter did a couple times. Just, it's okay. Like, that's one of the things, too, that I think especially women in our culture are so fearful of failing at something that we won't try it. Um, or we wait till the last possible second and then we just put that, That I'm a procrastinator. Um, don't like it, but I do it. And so I have to put zero effort and then 150% effort. <laughs> when if I had just done, say, 75 all along, we wouldn't be in this position, right? But the thing about it is we have to give them places that they actually can, can try things, that they can succeed or fail, that they can lead prayer. There's a woman that, that she had never prayed out loud, which that, a lot of people fall into that category. You know, she had come from a background that, that um, women didn't pray. And um, I'm like, okay, well, you're going to lead prayer next week. And she's like, well, no, I don't do that. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you kind of do. So how are we going to fix this? And she's like, "Well, I, don't know. I guess we're not." And I'm like, "Well, no, we will." Um, and so I'm like, "Okay, we'll write out your prayer, and then why don't you come over midweek, and then you can practice, and you can practice your prayer, and then we'll take the paper away, and then you can just practice it without the paper, and then you can do it in the group." And she was like, "Oh, okay, you're willing to do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's what we mean by discipling somebody in a specific task, right?" Now, like, this woman can't stop praying. Like, she works in an elementary school, and she is at every doorway, like, praying over every single classroom every morning. If she sees a custodian, she's got them cornered praying for them, okay? She sees a kid. She sees a teacher. She sees anybody. She's praying out loud for them, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Spiritual growth. You didn't want to um, stand—she didn't want me to stand still in my journey. Um, Questions were crafted to challenge my thinking and my theology— um, and application was key. So yes, do you need to know your Bible? Yes, you do. But guess what? There are so many concordances. There's so many ways that you can look up specific things that you need to, to do with somebody or you need to explain to somebody that you can usually find your answers. Don't let the fact that you feel like you don't have enough Bible knowledge to impact you and say that I can't disciple because you can, all right? Um, the basic scriptures are what we actually need to live by. All right. The complicated ones, if they're, if they're asking such complicated questions, send them on to, to somebody else to ask that question. I just want to know, you know, did you love God? Did you love others today? That's literally the two things I want to know today. Um, and if you can say yes to both of those, the majority of your days, then you're probably a pretty mature disciple. Okay. And so I think that, that, we need to make sure we're, we're giving a vision of where they need to go. One of the things that I do with the people that, that I um, disciple is I give them a growth chart, of a, a spiritual growth chart. Here's, a, here's an unbeliever, here's an infant, here's all the way up to grandparent in disciple making. And I'm like, okay, where do you think you are? And they're like, oh, well. Um, I had one person, she said, well, I'm pretty mature. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the fruit of what maturity looks like. And so we did, and she's like, oh. Okay, well, I think I'm actually probably more, and then she, she sat there for a second, she's like, I'm a child. I'm like, yeah, I think you might be. Um, and that's okay. I'm like, that's okay. She's like, but I've been a Christian for 25 years. Right, well, today we're going to start our journey from child to mature, you know, and that's okay. But that's the beauty, though, of having the relationship because we can be transparent, we can be authentic, we don't have to, she didn't feel shame By saying all of a sudden that she realized she's a child, Um, you know, I mean, she went to Bible college, she went to all of these things, but when she thought about her marriage, she thought about the interaction with her children, the interaction with other people, she was a child, Um, and that's okay to to learn that, to actually um, figure that out. But the idea is that we're not okay with them standing still, and that they know why we're not okay with them standing still, Um, and if they're okay with them standing still, which I have had. Lots of them. They're like, I think I'm good. I'm like, all right, then great. I guess I've got room in my group for somebody else to come in and that's okay. That's all right. Or if it's not the season for them to put the effort in to really grow or, you know, there are lots of reasons why this isn't the right moment for them to grow and there's no shame in it. And we still have a beautiful relationship and I will text them every now and then and we'll, talk at church and all the kinds of things, um, but it's not their season to actually put the real effort in in spiritual development. Winston Churchill said, we shape our buildings, and afterwards, our buildings shape us. As a ministry leader, you know your space matters, and you want it to be engaging and effective, but maybe you're not really sure how to make that happen. I'm Abby Barris, designer and ministry veteran, and I'd love to help you figure that out. You can find me at abbybarisinteriors.com or at churchdesignhelp.com to learn more about how to begin shaping your spaces for intentional discipleship. All right, transparency. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, They don't get to see the polished version of me. If I had an argument with my husband um, the day before group or the week before, they're probably going to hear about it. And they're going to hear about how my side of the street was not clean. They're going to hear about the mistakes I made with my children. Even if my children are out of the house, um, they have children in their house. And they need to hear that I didn't get it right. And guess what? My kids are okay. Even if my kids weren't okay, this is how I'm dealing with the fact that they're not okay. You know? They need to hear about things. Now, I am on staff full time. I am also an elder's wife. So not everything can be shared, okay? If I have an argument with Bobby, who was on stage, because that's my boss, I can't share that he and I just got into a big blow-up over something, you know, or can you believe he dot, 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 dot. I can't do that. Um, And that's okay. I can tell him, wow, I had a really hard day at work today, and I had to have a really hard conversation with somebody, and I did not like it. I didn't like the fact that I was called to have a good, hard conversation with them. But you know what? I am praying it through, and tomorrow we're going to meet, and we're going to try to resolve it. Um, and we're going to do it because we value the relationship over the disagreement. And you know what? And I'm like, and please pray about that for me. Um, and that's a good thing. They need to see the places that you've struggled, the places that you have the wins, but also the places that you're still working on. Um, because it just, it, it gives you so much, gives you currency in their bank to be able to then go, hey, so you saw how I dealt with that last week. Well, you're dealing with the same thing this week. And I'm not sure if you noticed, you realized that it was pride, but I told you that I was really prideful last week. Um, and I needed to clean it up. And now I, I'm, I'm thinking pride might be, your, be the issue going on right here. Let's peel that back a little bit. And I now have, have the ability to do that because I've been transparent. Um, be known. Be known by the people that you're discipling. Um, truly be known and truly let them know what you're working on. Like, how is Jesus transforming you right now? Um, because that's really, really important. Kingdom life. Um, this is similar to the one before, but saw the same person on Sunday as we had coffee. If I'm doing the announcements, I'm probably gonna be the same person, just like I am here, if, as I am at the meeting, at the group time. Um, sharing the target. Answers came for scripture. I didn't tell him, I think this, or this is, you know, the best thing that I've ever done. It's, what does God say about that? Well, let's go look. This is how I would look. This is how I would find it. Even if I could quote the scripture that I was, that I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to go, let's go find, let me see. So I would whip out my phone and go, forgiveness. All right, I'm going to type it in. Let's see what pops up. And we start going through it and going, okay, which, which scripture is applicable? Okay, now let's read the whole chapter. Let's make sure we're taking this in context. And we actually walk through how would I deal with something that I needed to, um, to be able to understand it. Um, and so, and that I'm not trying to make more Michelles. We don't need any more. I'm trying to make Jesus's. I'm trying to make people that, that are actually, that's the target. And I want to make sure every person that I am feeding into knows that that's the target. That's the target that we're looking for, um, uh, I know Jesus better because I was loved like him, flaws and all. Love him like Jesus. Put those Jesus goggles on, even when they're really annoying, right? Even when you want to avoid them. Even when you don't want to answer the phone. Put those Jesus goggles on and remember they're broken. Um, and sometimes we have to actually take the higher road. And they may say things that hurt. They may say things that you just know are not legit. Um, go back later and go, did you really mean that? Like, And they might have. You're like, okay, well, let's talk that through, you know, but probably not. So be Jesus to them. Show them what it looks like. Um, They should see Jesus in you, um, and they should see the fruit of the Spirit coming out through your life. And if they're not, stop discipling until you are actually, be discipled by somebody else. Um, Look for the fruit and go find that person and go, hey, there was a woman that, um, last story I promised, there there was a woman that... um, She'd been in ministry for 30 years, probably. No, 15, 15, 20 years. That's right. She led women's ministry for a long time, and and now she was a nurse. And um, she came up to me and she's like, Will you disciple me? And she comes from a very strong discipling background. So they are very into finding somebody to disciple you. I'm like, Well, I don't know what I'm gonna offer you. Like, you have taught forever, and like like you've been in full-time ministry longer than I've been in full-time ministry. You know, and she said, Well, you have peace. And I don't have it. So I believe that I need to find the person that has a thing that I don't have, and then I need to find out how they got it. So will you disciple me? I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. That's a really good way to describe it. I need to chalk that in the back of my mind. I've been using it for several years now because it really is true, right? So if there are things, and it doesn't mean that you stop discipling people altogether if you feel like you just don't have peace now, but go find somebody that does have peace and get discipled by them. In that area, if that's something that that you're working through with God, um, because that's really important to 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 continue to grow, right? Um, and people need to see that kingdom in you. So we're we're ending with the with the original scripture that you weren't supposed to look at. Um, this is what we're called to do, ladies. Right? We are called, all of us, men, women. We're all called to do this, and I think that it is truly the most rewarding thing you can do um, in in the church and and outside, because when you start seeing people grow, like the woman that left here a couple minutes ago, she is literally a different person now than she was a year ago um, because of being discipled and because of going and actually do, she did a lot of hard work. And I had somebody come up to me the other day and she's like, I just had a conversation with with her and uh, I did not like her last year. She's like, I had coffee with her and I did not like her. And I was like, yeah, I didn't like her that much either. Um, but, but I was called a discipler. And so we wrestled and we wrestled a lot. And I asked God if I could be released more than once. Um, and he said, no. And so we kept wrestling. And then, and then the, the top got popped and she's a different person. And now this person met her again. She's like, I totally enjoy her. She's like, she was a pleasure to be around. She wasn't talking about herself. She was asking about me. And it was just a wonderful conversation. I'm like, yeah, that's what disciple making does. She moved from being a spoiled toddler up to a parent, and now she's making disciples. And it took a year, but it took hard work on her part. And so I think it's just a beautiful thing. So let me pray over y'all. Heavenly Father, you're such a good God, Lord. I thank you for our time together. I thank you that you have brought these people into this room because they want to know you better, but they also want to bring people closer to you. God, I ask you to um, bless their ministries, bless the the people that that you put across their path. Show them who it is that you want um, them to disciple and help them to love them well in your name. Um, God, it's all for your glory. Um, It's in your son's name that I pray. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune back in on Tuesday for our next session on the Real Life Theology Podcast.